0: support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors and more. Details at choosewood.com.
1: This is St. Louis on the Air from St. Louis Public Radio. I'm Elaine Cha.
2: If you're listening to this and this happened to you, we would love to hear from That's right. you.
0: They said that more families are uh, submitting fraudulent documents. One of
2: the most common words I saw was grandma.
0: Said I had to stop reading because I was getting kind of angry.
2: What maybe the school district didn't see as a traditional family structure.
1: Since the 2018-2019 school year, one St. Louis area school district has shown dramatic gains but not in a way that's good for pupils. Hazelwood School District's investigations into student residency have jumped eightfold over the last five years. And that's impacted students, especially those who face unstable housing, and affected their access to a range of educational and other services mandated by federal law. A joint investigation by the Midwest Newsroom and St. Louis Public Radio, published today, examines that trend and its consequences. Joining me in studio to talk about it are the two journalists who've covered the story. Kayvon Mansouri, an investigative reporter for KCUR in Kansas City, and the Midwest Newsroom. The Midwest Newsroom is a collaboration between NPR, Nebraska Public Media, KCUR, Iowa Public Radio, and St. Louis Public Radio. Kayvon, it's great to have you on the show again. Good afternoon. And we also have Kate Grumke, who is STLPR's education reporter. Kate, so glad to see you here as well.
2: Thanks for having us.
1: So let's talk about this trend. Um, And before that, just get a sort of a basic understanding. What is a school residency investigation, and how does it compare with what might be regarded as simple check? on
0: yeah, school districts across the country, uh, especially uh, public school districts that are uh, funded by taxpayers, um, perform residency investigations when they believe a student uh, might be living outside of the school district, or um, sometimes uh, fraudulently so, uh, as if they they've put in some fraudulent documents um, to go to a maybe a better school district or maybe, a, you know, just they want to go somewhere closer. Um, and what's basically happened here is these residency investigations have um, been being used at a very high rate. Um, and what that entails is sometimes as simple as having a uh, student's family resubmit documents uh, to as something as um, uh, maybe intrusive, as some uh, advocates say, as uh, investigators coming into to homes. Um, and these investigations can sometimes... Um, in the in, uh sometimes prove a student does live outside the district, and sometimes it doesn't. Um, in the case for our story, we found that um, in the Hazelwood School District, that majority, the vast majority of students were found to be living inside the school district.
1: Mm-hmm. What is it, though, that gets an investigation started? Like, what prompts that,
0: Kate?
2: So this was prompted um, by another kind of document request that we had put in. We started to realize that Um, In emails completely unrelated to this, we were seeing that families were having a lot of trouble getting enrolled in the Hazelwood School District, especially if they were homeless. And as we kind of looked further and further into that, we realized that there were some pretty intense um, processes to get families enrolled in the Hazelwood School District. And then we found the much bigger story here, which is that all of this was tied to This big increase in residency investigations and what one advocate said was creating kind of a culture of suspicion of families in the Hazelwood School District not believing that they live where they say they live.
1: Mm -hmm. So is that really the thing that puts Hazelwood sort of beyond the pale? Because Kayvon, you said that school residency checks, it's not an unusual thing.
0: Not at all. Uh, school districts, like as I said, across the country use this um, in, in an effort to protect the taxpayers, protect the school district. Um, but we did a lot of uh, uh, legwork. Uh, we asked uh, uh, all, basically all the other school districts in the area um, uh, how many investigations they'd done, um, even the at the the most that we found was maybe about a hundred, maybe a little more. Um, at, at school districts in the area, the uh, Ferguson, Flores, and School District that neighbors, I think, had sixty seven investigations in a single year. That's compared to the two thousand fifty one that that Hazelwood did in a single year. So this it stood out. Uh, you know, at first it was kind of a gut feeling. You know, this two thousand a lot of 2,051s, a lot of students to be investigated a year, a lot of investigations. I'd say, um, and then once we started kind of. Uncovering things, things started to look like this is not normal. This is not a normal normal rate.
1: Yeah, um, and how forthcoming, Kate, were folks at the Hazelwood School District um, about sharing information or responding to your questions?
2: Yeah, they gave us all of the documents that we requested. So we did that through the um, Sunshine Laws, which anyone can request information from their local public school district, um, and they are required to give it to you. So we did get thousands of pages of documents. um, And we also got a log of the residency investigations, which Interestingly enough, in Hazelwood, they do keep a log, but we found that many local school districts don't even keep a log because I think they have lower numbers and don't necessarily need to be as organized about it. Um, But... Yeah, Kayvon actually spoke with some officials in the Hazelwood School District and can talk That's about right. what they said.
0: And I can, and I'll also add, just add to that, the the one of the basis of this investigation, the uh, the amount wasn't something we sunshine request. It was presented at a school board meeting uh, just a few months ago, um, and it was it wasn't something that the, the school district was keeping secret. So you know, this was something that we we just happened to be listening in on a school board meeting, and and it was presented as you know, I, I don't know if boasting's the right word, but it was presented as a good thing. Okay, um, but. I spoke with uh, Hazelwood uh, and the assistant superintendents, Chauncey Granger and Lynette Jackson. And our conversation basically, you know, they pointed to several different factors, they think. Um, You know, they they didn't give a direct reason, but they said that more families are – Uh, submitting fraudulent documents. However, they couldn't answer how many that was, uh, how many they've received. They pointed to uh, many people living in apartments, um, you know, and and, and having to shift addresses a lot. Um, But, you know, I think what we heard from advocates is that doesn't explain... The increase you're seeing uh, from 141 just five years ago, 141 residency investigations, it's 2,051 in a single year.
2: Right. And we know how many they found living outside the district. So they did 2,000 investigations last year. 300 resulted in students living outside of the district. And in a district of about 17,000 students, that's not particularly a lot of kids.
1: Right. Well, and it doesn't sound like a, a very good return on investment, um, which is language that I'm using very deliberately here. I mean, w- do you know um, about the numbers for like students at different levels? Because automatically, I sort of thought of high school, but this includes elementary and middle school students, right?
0: Yeah, so... You know, actually, in kind of a crazy turn of events, a record we requested about a month ago came in at like the eleventh hour, just a, just a few days ago, and it kind of set us into a spiral of going through more than a thousand pages of appeals from families that had been removed from the school district, and we found. Um, a large, uh, large number of those were from elementary level students. Uh, there was there was one um, a letter that was sent to the school district of a six-year-old who was removed and was out of school for weeks. One of a nine-year-old who was, their computer was taken during the day and they were told they were going to be going to a different school and sent home. Um, so yeah.
2: Another child was not home when the investigators came to visit their house. And so the family provided a copy of a ticket to Minions, The Rise of Gru. The child had been seeing that movie when they were being investigated. Yeah,
1: And one of the things that's also in the article is that there is an investigation team that is dedicated to doing this, and that they will go into homes and rifle through clothing as well.
0: That's right. That's what um, legal, we uh, spoke with Legal Services of Eastern uh, Missouri's Uh, education team education justice team i should say Um, and they had clients that were were kicked out of school and they were working with them and they they reported that basically this investigation team would come in look through things rifle through clothes um, and and decide basically uh, whether they live there or not that's also from what we can understand with the rest of the information but in those appeals we we went through there were more than a hundred appeals, and and I, I believe there are probably even more than that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that basically, their families saying, "Here are the documents. We should be here. We live here." There were some times where like you you have found a, our Airbnb, and now you've kicked us out of school because you say we're living in an Airbnb that we're not. Um, so th- all sorts of things like that, uh, and and basically you know what happens. The, the the I think like the bottom line. I think it's said pretty pretty thoroughly throughout the piece is that, you know when. This isn't just, you know, uh, a school district saying the family doesn't live here. These are kids out of school weeks at a time. Right. uh, Sometimes longer.
2: Mm -hmm. And we all learned what that can do to a kid during the pandemic. We all saw what it meant for education when kids were at home and not in class. And that's what's happening in the district right now.
1: Mm -hmm. We're talking today about how a St. Louis area school district in Hazelwood is aggressively investigating students to determine where they live. And we're joined by Kate Grumke, educational reporter for St. Louis Public Radio, and Kayvon Mansouri, an investigative reporter for KCR in Kansas City and the Midwest Newsroom. So we've talked about some of the, the numbers here, but numbers can mask uh, some of what we also have discussed as far as Who's on the receiving end of this? What else do these numbers not necessarily show? um, And what should we be paying attention to, Kate?
2: Well, something I was really struck by going through the emailed appeals that we received earlier this week was that one of the most common words I saw was grandma. These kids, in most of the cases, were living with a grandparent. Maybe not most, but many of the cases that we read. And often the kids were very permanently living with grandma. That had been the situation for years. Mm -hmm. The grandparents are emailing saying, you have known that this child is living with me here in the Hazelwood School District. And so the school district was reaching out to parents. In some cases, a parent was incarcerated. In another, a parent was going to nursing school. And so the child was living with their grandparents. And I was really struck by... um, what seemed to be kind of an inflexibility for what maybe the school district didn't see as a traditional family structure. right? And that did seem to be a very common theme in the examples that we found.
1: Mm -hmm. So there was something in the story that really struck me. Um, Hazelwood School District Assistant Superintendent Chauncey Granger, he oversees residency issues and uh, residency, the investigation team. And he had no response to your questions about why there's been this dramatic jump, um, and that's a 1,285% jump over the past five years in these investigations. But Assistant Superintendent Lynette Jackson, uh, while she also couldn't or didn't answer that question either, she did characterize non-resident students attending, quote, the wrong school in a very particular way, and she called it educational larceny. How did that land with you, Kayvon?
0: Yeah, that's right. It's something. Um, and I, just to, just to be clear, the the superintendents gave um, sort of a scatter of reasons. Uh, you know, they had they had their you know, as I said before, fraudulent you know fraudulent uh, subm- submissions of of data, things of that nature. But in in, in the grand scheme, there was no direct reason. Um, but educational larceny, that was a, a moment in, in, in that interview that struck me as kind of odd. And I think it's something that I agreed, Kate and I agreed, and, and our, our editors agreed, that was a, an interesting way. Um, that, you know, I think a, in a lot of other uh, stories that I've read um, about what – that it's typically called residency fraud. So educational larceny is a little bit of a different, different uh, tone. Um, but it was kind of – it struck me as kind of uh, – Interesting to be treating, you know, saying students are are, are stealing, basically, right, um, right? And especially to say say that about um, when there's such a low rate of success with these investigations, mm-hmm. and without being able to provide any number of how many fraudulent documents were were put forth, it se- it just it just didn't add up. Uh, right. You know who you know who is stealing? How many people are stealing? They're just that that data wasn't there, and um, it, it 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 struck me, and it's definitely stuck with uh, stuck with us be, throughout the reporting. Yeah,
2: Kate. Yeah, I think that also speaks to more broadly, um, our public school system is based on where you live. If your family can buy buy property somewhere, it's also funded by those property taxes. And here in Missouri, it's funded to a pretty relatively high percent by local property taxes and not by state taxes. Mm -hmm. So I do think there's also that idea of education as property instead of as a public good that children are entitled to. Yeah.
1: And that point about property in in the um, the work that I've done previously around education, uh, a SLU law student had told me that education is not a right and that it is treated under law as and as something that you possess as property. And so that, that's part of the reason this really stood out. Did you get any sense that, you know, the increasing number and intensity of these investigations is meant to have a chilling effect? So Kayvon, you said that the the numbers were sort of presented at a school board meeting. Do do they want to send the message that if you don't live in this district, your kids are not welcome here?
0: I think that based on the conversations I had with the assistant superintendents and based on that language, that I I think they are—, they are I don't know what the what the base reasoning is behind these investigations but I would think that that there is a belief that that there are students trying to go to the Hazelwood school district that don't you know I think that what they say is that has the, have the legitimate right uh, which was another sort of legal ease that I thought was interesting. Right. Um, and I think yeah they probably are hoping for a chilling effect but also at the same time they have a residency team. They have they have hired someone and pay them a salary to do these investigations. Um, and, you know, I, I just the, – the one thing that I think Kate and I agree that we never really got a clear answer to is why. Uh, we got a bunch of different reasons of why they might do the investigations but not an overarching reason of – why so many? Why, uh, you know, 141 to 20, 2051 is no small increase. That's i right. I'm sorry, 148 uh-huh. investigations to 2051. That's no, no, I mean, that is a lot. Uh, and, I, and I believe it's, I think it's roughly 12% of the entire uh, 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 enrollment of, of, of Hazelwood School District. So, um, and I think, you know, we saw that I think a roughly three hundred children were found living outside the school district. Well, there were well more than a hundred appeals that we found just in the past year. Um, and, and, and we wonder, um, and I think uh, Hopi Fink, the attorney we spoke with at Legal Service of Eastern Missouri, also wonders, how many kids aren't getting the help and just are out? You know? I right. think she said something that really struck me during our interview. She said, you, know, you shouldn't need an attorney to stay in school.
2: Mm-hmm. And if you live in the Hazelwood School District and they disenroll you, it would be actually residency right. residency fraud to go to a different district. Mm-hmm. So then your your options are you stuck. Gone. And right. in those
0: appeals, we saw the the uh, pleading and the frustration from these families. Uh, my my child has been out of school for a month. Um, I you know I, and all basically in some points it's like because they live with their grandmother or right. because you know you you found an Airbnb. There was one um, uh, situation where. Um, a home was being renovated, so they were living somewhere else for the time being. And they, they had to send in photos of of the bare walls of this renovation. It's obviously not a livable place. Um, right, right. But they were kicked out of school for that.
1: So you both have talked about this this trove of emails that came in 11th hour. One of the things that really it, it stood out to me in listening to the story is that I didn't hear the voices of people who've been directly impacted, that is, like students and their families, whether it's grandparents or, or other um, caregivers or guardians. How did your attempts to get families to speak with you go, Kate?
2: So it was very difficult, um, and that's why you don't hear from families. And actually, if you're listening to this and this happened to you, we would love to hear from right. you because we don't have that on the record voice of a family telling us how this actually affected them. We do have all of these examples written out in these emails, which is really helpful, but it was difficult to find people. And some of what we found too is there were families that were in a situation of hardship. We saw some examples of domestic violence that force a family to temporarily move or a lost job that force a family to share housing with a fam- another family member, which those actually would count for protections under a federal law to um, help homeless students. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a lot of... Um, a lot of information we could get from hearing from people. So if it's OK, I'd love to share my email. Oh, please do. So if anyone's listening, my email is K-G-R-U-M-K-E at S-T-L-P-R org. And then Kavan.
0: And mine's a little more difficult. It's uh, K-M-A-N-S-O-U-R-I at k c u k c u r dot org. All
1: right. So this last question, um, I mean, one of the things that I have heard in the time that I've lived in St. Louis, it's almost 10 years now. And the, the both of you also being St. Louis natives who've you know gone to school here, Legal Services of Eastern Missouri attorney Amanda Schneider told you that Hazelwood School District is, quote, operating within the law with these student residency um, investigations. So that's the letter of the law. And then you spoke also with Barbara Duffield, and she's the executive uh, director of a national advocacy group called Schoolhouse Connection. And she told you something that sort of gets at the effect of Hazelwood School District's investigation on sort of the spirit of students and their families and on the community and it was something about, you know, like the first thought of, are you my kid? Are you somebody else's kid? Do I have to serve you? With the I and the my being, the, the school district. So many educate, education, you know, equity advocates, they talk about the need to think about our children collectively, right? Like as our children. Do you see this story, Kayvon, um, putting us closer to that vision? <sighs>
0: No, uh, I, I I hope the story enacts some change, and I hope it gets some accountability for these students, especially their families, but all but these kids. I mean, I think Kate and I and everyone who uh, looked at the go- documents over the past few days um, were pretty struck by some of these appeals. I I, I think one of our, <laughs> our photographers said I had to stop reading because I was getting kind of angry. Yeah. Um, and it it you know, there is. A sadness to it Uh, a lot of these families are going through rough times as well there were several appeals emails where like i am in a domestic violence situation i had to get out of the house with with you know i my father has brain cancer so we're living with him for a time um and those are really tough situations but i think deeper down um when you think about a kid sitting at home especially a kid who has a routine and is young and, and impressionable, and they're just sitting at home not being taught, uh, maybe their mother or father work, um, and maybe there's just so many uh, negatives that kind of come out of this situation. I think what Barbara and um, Amanda are saying is very true. It's uh, It makes these families and especially these kids uh, feel as if they are not wanted. Um, they, should, they should be somewhere else. And I think that even going through the process um, of, of having someone... You know whether it's root through your th- things, or even if you're kicked out of school for a week and then you come back. Um, you know, I, I think about these kids trying to explain that to to their friends. You know where they were, and it's like, well, you know, maybe they're maybe they're couch surfing, maybe they're McKinney Vento students, maybe they are homeless, and now they're stuck with that situation. And meanwhile, a family that's already struggling is um, really having to struggle a little bit a little bit harder.
1: Mm-hmm. Kayvon Mansuri is investigative reporter for the Midwest Newsroom, and Kate Grumke is STLPR's education reporter. Kate and Kayvon, thank you so much for talking with us today. Thank Thank you. you. If you have a Hazelwood student residency investigation story to share with Kate and Kayvon, you'll find their email addresses at the bottom of their piece.
2: This episode was
1: produced by Elaine Cha. Our audio engineer is Aaron Doerr. This podcast was mixed and
0: edited by Aaron. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. St. Louis on the Air proudly supports local artists by using music from Life Creative Group.